Hello and welcome to 10,000 Hours. I'm Grant Spanier. And I'm Vince Kochi. And you are listening to episode 70 with the delightful Rachel Karenin. They say it you right. Got it. Oh, you I nailed, nailed it. Oh, I like to say I like to say it inquisitively. Always a little upward inflection at the end, even when I know, just so that I can have that release, that <laughs> that praise from you. That's really what I'm, that's exactly. what I'm here for. It, re- it reminds me of when you're making a to do list and then you add like one or two things that you already did, just so you can cross those first Check two things off. off. That's classic. Yeah. It sounds like something I would do. Uh, it sounds like yeah, an undisciplined move, but who am I to say? <laughs> yes, not really in the in the spirit of today's discussion. Uh, like you said, Grant, we sat down with, uh, well, we all sat down independently, but we talked to Rachel Karenin, who is not only an awesome writer, uh, an avid blogger, a marketing consultant, a new author, and an all-around entrepreneurial creative mind, but she's also a good friend of mine. Uh, she was on talking about her blog, The Bootstrapped Life, and our topic, discipline. Yeah, discipline, 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 Vince. I think we kind of broke it down in the episode. It has a lot to do with systems, and it has a lot to do with consistency and ease and ritual and habit. And this week's sponsor is Simplecast which is a tool that uh, keeps me disciplined, keeps me focused. And we use it to publish this very podcast. I get asked quite a bit, uh, especially people who want to start podcasts. They're like, what do I use? What are, what's this? What's the, what do we use to record? We, and every single time I tell them to use Simplecast because it gets you out of the way. <laughs> it makes it so easy. I know you use it on your other show, These Parts, Vince. Great podcast. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, you can create your own page with it, your own web page if you want to put it up. Uh, you know, and you can. What else can you do? Oh, it publishes right to iTunes, which is fantastic. Fills in all the data, all the images. It's just so easy, man. Uh, so if you're interested in podcasting, definitely worth checking out. And they also have like so many good shows on there now, which is kind of cool. Absolutely, it's really the easiest way to kind of break out do your own show. And we're very grateful to them, and we are grateful to Rachel Karenin for joining us on this show to talk about discipline. And we're grateful to you, the listener, for tuning in this week and every week. We hope you enjoy Episode 70, Discipline. Actually, I'm friends with a lot of scoundrels, so you're a testament to that, Grant. But. No, truly, truly. <laughs> we haven't had a good throat clearing situation in a while. I feel like we kind of got rid of those in like the 30s and the 40s in terms of episode numbers. Kind of, And from... Yeah. Then until now, it will be referred to as the golden age of 10,000 hours. The golden age. <laughs> the, the, the whooping years from the whooping cough. Exactly. Yeah. Years, I guess, whooping, whooping months. Like 20, 20 episodes, <laughs> that's a few months. When we were free from the tyranny of throat clearing, but it's returned. Uh, and with a vengeance. <sighs> Vinny. <laughs> man, oh man, I'm Grant. hyped. I'm hyped right now. Like... I, I'm super selfishly hyped because I just got back from a super dope trip that I want to talk about. 
So I'm not even going to beat around the bush like I normally do. I'm not going to finagle around the bagel, as they say. I'm just going to die. <laughs> I have <right>. yet. <laughs> I have never heard that one personal, Grant. You so gotta I open appreciate your ears, that. Son. You got to pay attention to the world around you because that phrase is is coming onto the scene in a big way. Started by yours truly, finagle the bagel. T-shirts are probably going to be <laughs> in the merch store before the end of this episode. I'm going to I'm going to stop listening and I'm going to start designing. So Vinny, <laughs> actually, you know what I would wear? I would wear a Vinny. What are you putting your time into? T-shirt. <laughs> as long as there were like 17 paragraphs of text that precluded it. Yeah, I yeah very small type, small type, small type, and then the big type is that. All right, cool. Maybe I'll design that. I'll make a note here. Precisely. So Vinny, what are you putting your time into? <laughs> Uh, you know, actually kind of the same. My last few weeks have been pretty homogenous in terms of workload. Uh, busy at the office, working on some hearing aid stuff, new website, a couple of videos. Uh, it's fun. It's good stuff. Tech product. And then my freelance client, Bluebird Gardens, which is a cool community source agriculture client. And I like them a lot, keeping me busy. And the show, we've been recording a lot lately, which I love Hell a yeah. lot. Hell yeah. Grant, I know you've just stepped off the plane from another week and chains of jet setting. Can I ask you what you've been putting your time into? Certainly, Vince. Certainly. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a plug to your show, which I hate to do. Your other show, uh, these parts. But I, <laughs> I really do like, hate to do it, but like, I kind of get this sick like um, enjoyment out of it. It's sort of a masochistic exercise. Uh, but yeah, I, I was there throw it twice if someone's holding a gun to your head right now. <laughs> yeah, your your other co-host Elliot is here with a gun. Uh, no, but I was a guest designer for you guys on your last episode in Boswell, New Mexico, and I had a blast doing that one. Uh, so that's worth checking oh, out. Very cool design too, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, certainly it's got a bit of an homage to a particular uh, motion picture franchise. Not franchise. Like, oh, is it a franchise? Well, is it a franchise if there was only one? It, it it's is, an institution. It's an institution, certainly. Uh, yeah, so I did that. Um, but you uh, you alluded to this. I just got back, um, man, two days ago. Wait, yeah, two days ago, I was on a helicopter flying around New York City, which was it wasn't it wasn't lame. <laughs> it didn't suck. Sounds absolutely bizarre and awesome. Yeah, uh, and that was with Death to Stock, uh, friends of the show. I think they were episode like forty two or forty four or something. Um, and I've been doing some more projects with them. They're so cool. Uh, yeah, so I'm making a little video about that. Um, I got to catch up with Seth Godin, which was super sweet on Monday of last week. And the day before I got to see a Jamie XX show. He's like a musician. He's part of uh, one half of the XX, um, a DJ too. And before that I was in LA, uh, scouting for this thing I'm shooting in like two weeks, which I'm super excited about. Lachlan Patterson. Lachlan Patterson. Yeah. Stand up comedian. Uh, he was on last comic standing and we're, I'm doing the. I'm directing the cold open sequence uh, for his Netflix. I believe is where it's going to be, but his comedy special, um, super dope, dude. Like had a blast there. I'm I'm really excited to to film that. We got, and we got some cool people, like some like way bigger uh, quote unquote stars than I've ever worked with. So it's pretty funny. <laughs> Get you have like two seconds of name dropping. Hit us with some. Todd I don't Glass, know. Right? I, I don't know if I like. <laughs> Well, it doesn't really matter because no one, no one that I cares, you know, it's not going to get in trouble for saying these things, I don't think. Uh, but um, I think it's, they're confirmed for now. Who knows if they'll stay confirmed. But it's like J.B. Smoove, who is like, um, he was a host on Last Comic Standing, which is how 
Lachlan got connected with him. I don't know, like, any of his other credits besides, like, I remember him, or his most memorable credit to me was, um, he was Larry David's roommate on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Sort of like an over-the-top, oh, yes. over-the-top, um, African-American dude. It's just super funny. Um, and then uh, a couple of other comedians, and there's another comedian, uh, Todd Glass. I don't know if you're familiar with him at all. Super funny guy. Yes. Sir. Yeah, so I'm, like, really yeah, excited to work with those guys. He's part of the old guard. He's pretty serious. Totally um, dude, right? <laughs> really cool, man. Really cool. I'm, I'm envious and I'm proud. Sorry, dude. This is the longest what are you working on we've ever done. I'm so sorry to our guest. I hope we're still cool. <laughs> dude, I actually think we've yeah. done longer. But You're right. We end, have. You're right. We have. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think two episodes ago with Tiffany Beverage, it went on for like 15 minutes. It was a while. <laughs> <laughs> It's but that is a good segue into the guest that we have on today. I'm very excited about it because not only is she an inspirational writer and creative person and entrepreneurial person, but she's a close friend of mine. Uh, I was recently did a little interview with her and it got featured on her writing platform, her blog. And she is and that was a dope, writer, and we'll, we'll show notes that. And you oh should, yeah, you should go read that. That was like super thoughtful. Um, I was gonna say written, but I don't know if that was if that was verbally and if it was transcribed. Either way, it was well put, Vince. I was very proud of you and to our guest. Uh, you're dope. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, she is dope. The dopest. She's a writer. She's a marketing consultant, and she has a blog called The Bootstrapped Life, which is place for discussions and resources for entrepreneurs. Rachel Karenin, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you. It is a pleasure to be here. Vinny, can I kick her off? I may as well. Rachel. Please. Yes, absolutely. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on. So happy to have you. Can you tell us, what are you putting your time into? What are you working on right now? Absolutely. Uh, a couple different things. I work with a number of clients, and last weekend, I was representing one of my clients at a conference here in Madison, where I live. Um, so that was pretty awesome. I got to basically tell everyone else why I think they're amazing. Um, and the conference was a lot of fun. It was a bunch of people in the software industry that I know and enjoy spending time with. So that felt like a really good use of my time. And then um, this week, I've also been focusing on a marketing and PR launch for a series of videos that feature the thoughts and I guess kind of like behind the scenes look at programmers. Um, it's called beyond code and I'm helping just launch that whole series, which I'm really excited about. Um, and also I usually work with tech companies, but this week I'm shifting gears a teeny bit and working on a branding story for a friend of mine who designs, um, handbags and backpacks. So I'm creating her fashion brand story, which I'm excited about. I've been watching videos about like Coco Chanel and like uh, really channeling the like creative uh, designer and under trying to figure out how to tell the story of who they are. Channel Coco. Did you say you're channeling or Chanelling? Oh, you did it. You did it. You went there. Sorry. Sorry, I had to. But that's like a really, really cool project. Fashion is something I always kind of wanted to work on, but I don't know if I have the chops for it. Um, but it's, well, it seems really cool. It's definitely interesting. So I've been um, blogging intermittently for the last year on the Madison Fashion Network. Um, we have a blog called More Than Plaid, which should resonate with the Minnesotans out there as well. Um, 
it's been, it's been a lot of fun and that's why I ended up kind of getting this little like fashion side interest. Um, I personally don't think I'm the most fashionable, but I'm really intrigued by people who manage to be so. I love asking them and learning about how they kind of put themselves together and inspiration. I mostly just wear black. <laughs> Pretty consistent. All, all black, like an executioner's hood. Wow. Only on the weekends. Only on the weekends. Vinny. Hey. Um, so what are we talking so, about, Vince? That's a great question, Grant. And it's something that I think, and I know because we've talked about it, Rachel, uh, relates really closely to the bootstrapped life and what you're doing. Uh, and that's discipline. And not only like the kind of textbook definition where you have to, you know, create an environment where you can work hard and get things done, but kind of a little more nuanced than that. Discipline in your life, balancing your work, your other pursuits, uh, your downtime, and the things you want on a personal level. Uh, it takes discipline to sort all that out. It takes discipline to have balance. And I know that's something you've written and talked a lot about, Rachel, so I'm excited to get your stats on it. But before we dive into that, maybe you want to just talk about the bootstrap life a bit, what it is and how you came up with it. Yeah, definitely. So the Bootstrapped Life was a blog that I created because when I started going off on my own, um, I wanted to know how to do it. And there weren't a lot of resources for people who didn't work in traditional nine to five jobs. Like everyone talked about like all the entrepreneurs and the success and the dreams and all of that. But nobody said like, okay, here's actually how to succeed. And so I started it with just this idea of being a resource. And then as I wrote more and kind of gauged people's reactions, I realized that a lot of what people responded to was the really honest like discussion around it's hard it can be really hard and it can be scary and there's a lot of self-doubt and there's a lot of challenges to being entrepreneurial but also taking care of yourself I didn't think there was a lot of materials out there that showed how people were doing this and the struggles that they faced and how they overcame them yeah so I created the blog with this idea of like I was going to be that and I was going to share my experiences so people who started on their path after me didn't have that same frustration as I did okay this is interesting to me I'm 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 very much in that world and not in that world and like somewhat cynical about it so I feel, I feel like I'm I'm seriously curious to hear more about your experience so far and kind of where your goals are. So I think maybe for me to start out with, um, when we're talking about discipline, something that discipline feeds or discipline is a product of is goals. Um, so I'm sort of wondering what, what are your goals or what's your motivation for what you're working on right now? So my motivation is really to have an independent writing career. I have always wanted to be able to work from home or wherever I want to travel the world and to be able to make my living with, I guess, the tools of the pen and paper or computer screen as it may be now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's really what I'm always working toward. And more and more, I'd like that to shift into more long-form content and more creative nonfiction content. So I told you earlier in the show about all of the client work that I'm doing, but I'm also working on my first book, um, which is actually targeted at entrepreneurs, and also working um, every day on creative nonfiction. And I'm working on polishing that up and submitting it. So I want to both build my client work because I have a lot of fun and it's really meaningful. And through that, I connected to the larger tech community, which matters to me, um, but also develop more of that creative writing and book writing. Uh, it's really all in pursuit of, I think, the lifestyle. Like, I really enjoy writing. I could write for a company, but I want to write as my own person. Mm-hmm. 
No wonder you and Vince were kindred spirits here. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, I think besides it being like a very, in my own opinion, noble goal and and desirable, and uh, I think it's important that you know right from the get-go that what you want isn't to necessarily write a best-selling book or whatever. It's to live a life as a writer and be able to sustain yourself in that sort of lifestyle. Uh, I think a lot of people may start it because, because starting out with your actual intentions and kind of more holistic goal in mind makes it a lot easier to be disciplined in my opinion. Right. Yep. I think so as well. I mean, I would love to be a best-selling writer. David Sedaris is a major role model of mine. I think he has amazing work and he makes me laugh and feel all sorts of things. And that's when I'm looking at my creative nonfiction. Like that's definitely something I aspire to be like, but it's really, I think it's a little unrealistic to, you know, leave the corporate world and be like, all right, I'm going to be that like immediately. So could Could you just define the creative nonfiction for me? Like what does that look like to you? So to me, that's usually um, essays and reflective pieces drawn from my ordinary life. I'm not sure if you've read Stairs, but he read, like writes a lot about his family. Um, and as Vince knows, I have a really interesting family of my own and a lot of life experiences that I really <laughs> enjoy writing about and digging into and like trying to draw meaning from. Totally. That's cool. Yeah, that's really interesting. So... You've probably talked to, I'm assuming, but I also sort of know, you've talked to a lot of people who have done similar things to you. You kind of broke out on your own, and you've talked to other people who have done the same. Uh, What kind of conversations surrounding discipline, or maybe to a greater extent balance, have you had? What kind of things have they shared with you that kind of resonate on that particular topic? So I do that talk to a lot of different people. I'm a member of a co-working space here in Madison. So I'm always surrounded by people who are chasing their entrepreneurial or artistic dreams. And one of the things that I find is I tend to be the bigger advocate of balance. Um, I see a lot of people who I don't necessarily think are putting balance in their lives. And I find myself being kind of the voice calling for more of it and to have more discipline around um, honestly, using even just using your money wisely, Madison has a really great food cart scene, which is awesome. But it blows my mind that people who you know, are bootstrapping their companies are also buying lunch out every single day. And I'm just like, oh my god, that's crazy. Um, that money could buy a lot of things if you literally are bootstrapping your company. So, I mean, um, yeah, I feel like yeah, but also. To me, sometimes, like, I think about time a lot and time and energy. And, of course, like, things, you know, have demand because because of demand and because of convenience. But I'm, like, pretty liberal when it comes to things I deem, like, investing in myself. Um, I, I, obviously, like, there are constraints around that. But I don't know. Even, like, eating out to me sometimes is, like, is a better investment of my time, I think. Or, you know, getting something delivered, whatever. Uh, than making it. Even, even the long term, I think that, you know, making food and cooking and those things are, are good. But sometimes I'm just saying, like, time and energy can, like, equal more versus versus just, like, keeping the overhead low. I feel like that's... Right. I, I, I do understand bootstrapping, like, the concept of that. But I do think, like, sometimes there's so much... 
like the bootstrapping becomes a game in and of itself. And that's like not actually what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I do think about that too. So um, one of the things that I try to take into account is what is, what are the things I want to spend money on? What are the things I don't? Because I think that's something that's really important to have critical around. Like maybe it is the lunch. Like for me, it doesn't take much time to prepare my food. Um, maybe for someone else, it is like a more, of an exhausting or time draining effort. Yeah, right. Um, Even so like that's mentally, cool. Like mentally draining. That's the right. biggest thing. Yeah. So I think it's important, like to look at the ROI of anything that you do. So, for example, when I first went out on my own, I like quit yoga because I was like, well, you know, I yoga is expensive. I should do yoga. I'll do yoga at home. But then I realized it's like going to yoga class gave me a lot of energy and a lot of balance and really kept like my mind clear and focused and i realized that like yeah this does cost a lot of money but that's actually a great investment in myself it's not you know a frivolous use of my money for sure so i think like maybe even beyond a pretty important but simple distinction what do you want to spend your money on i think it's what kind of things are you good at putting into systems like for instance i'm a bad cook and I get bored of food easily. And so I can't create a very efficient or positive food system in my life. I don't have an attitude for it and I don't have an affinity for it. So for me, like eating out is totally worth it. But to someone who enjoys cooking and who enjoys maybe a certain type of eating, it could be so simple to create a very efficient, like low cost food system in your life so that you don't have to eat out. And so I think it's like identifying strengths and desires within yourself to find where you can actually create efficiencies and where it's actually more efficient and the ROI is better to spend the money. Well, yeah, it's like overlap, exactly. overlap too, right? It's not So the systems are one thing, but then finding overlapping or complementary elements that maybe... So it, it, this is sort of a bootstrap element too. Like you... like. The reason for discipline is to get to something or is to create something or is to X, X, X. But you can sort of just like, I don't want to say hack. I'm going to say hack. You can sort of hack out <laughs> the things it, <laughs> instead of, instead of, um, instead of trying to be hyper efficient at, you know, all these different things, find things that are overlapping and that will like, will allow you more time, more energy, more freedom within that. I mean, that's, I'm sort of nebulous. It's sort of like, like uh, 20,000. I think that's actually really a, a great point. I, you have a, a specific example because I know you and I have talked about that uh, personally before. Well, what I was thinking about, and this, this isn't really, I don't think the best example of, of what I'm trying to get at, but for you, there's, it, there's more value than just the lack of, uh, of needing to decide what you're going to make and how you're going to make and all those things, because I know you're a social animal, like we all are, but like Vince, you're an especially social animal. And so, you know, something like that. Okay. So let's just say this. Okay. Let's put it this way for me. Uh, maybe there's a part of my system, part of my, part of my regimen, part of my goals. Uh, one element in all of this is networking is connecting with people is identifying opportunities with them and building relationships. So maybe instead of, instead of just ordering food and eating, you know, uh, at the office five days a week, if I've made that decision that I don't want to cook food, maybe I go get lunch with someone every single day. And if I can now, now I'm overlapping two things. I'm overlapping the need to eat and the need to network. And so now I'm filling two buckets, you know, maybe not with, I'm not, I'm not necessarily putting two in one, but maybe I'm putting 1.5 in one. 
And I'm just, that's a little win right there. That's a little win. Yeah. So this is kind of funny, but one of the things that made me think about is um, getting my hair cut. Honestly, that's something where, again, like it is useful for me to pay a little bit more because I get two in one for the nicer experience. Uh, when you go to a nice place, you the whole like spa experience. So you get your relaxation and you get like the cut that allows you to go out to the business world, like professional, right? Yeah. So it's a small example, but it's a, it's a place where I see the, my money going to this, like both the spa experience and the like, good experience. And, and you see mine going nowhere. I've not gotten my hair cut now for a while. <laughs> no, really? Yes, like, and this- <laughs> yeah, it's but I actually like it a lot. It suits you pretty well, Grant. Thank you, man. Um, that means a lot <laughs> for sure, I, and I mean it. Uh, but that is a pretty. It's a funny and like a lighthearted one, but it's a pretty good illustration of the point that we're driving at here. Is that we're all going to have different affinities for creating efficiency in our life, and discipline is good for getting you to do something that you don't necessarily quote unquote love to do, right? But Discipline when applied to things you kind of like to do anyway just creates like a, a warp speed of efficiency. So like, Grant, you like to eat out and you like to socialize and you combine those two things into eating and socialize and it becomes cost efficient and it becomes a positive experience. Yeah. And so and finding things like that is what we want to do when we're bootstrapping because it means we don't have to suffer as much, but we can also work with the goal. Well, dude, right? Okay, so it's basically, I'm going to boil it back to self-awareness here for a second, but it's, I think people are just really poor investors. So people are buying things, doing things, investing time, energy, money into things that that aren't actually, I don't, I don't mean objectively good for them as in like, health-wise or, or whatever you want to call that. But, like, they're just not good for them as far as an experience. Like, I, I'm just saying we could say that, like, mm. a, a drug addict buying drugs, like, that's a good experience for them. Like, in terms of, like, it, we would say that's bad from a societal standpoint, but it's good from their experience. I think people are actually bad at buying, like, if, we, if everyone is an addict, like, they're bad at buying drugs, which is the thing that they should want to do. So what I mean by this, it sounds crazy, this sounds crazy, but let me boil it back. This comes to self-awareness. They don't actually know what they want, and so then they don't know how to get it. And so then they end up buying and investing in really poor places. And so I think it's like, figure out what you want, and then you can start investing in those things, and then you can start identifying those overlaps, and, and now you're like, you're just happier. <laughs> I would say that from a time perspective as well, because that's one of the things that I really had to figure out um, what to do with was how to use my time. Um, one of the things that I noticed when I left my job that all of these, you know, routines and rituals I had put into place to take care of myself while working my nine to five job, uh, they just kind of fell away. They disappeared. And um, in one way, that was cool because I got to start from zero and build them all back and evaluate which ones were serving me and which ones weren't. But uh, being without any of those rituals for that period of time was like absolutely terrifying. I felt really untethered from like, to who I was and how I took care of myself. And by adding them back in one by one, I started to feel more and more like myself. And like I was taking care of myself and giving myself the the activities that I needed to be successful and be happy. I'm I'm super curious about this, and I had, I had just written this down a few minutes ago on my on my notepad, which was what what is your routine, your rituals, your habits? What does that look like? I think that that's super fascinating, especially for for like freelance types, you know, to talk about. Right. So in the morning, um, pretty simple routine, but I like waking up 
at the same time, relatively early every day. You know, as a freelancer, I have the ability to sleep in, but um, I discovered I pretty much destroyed my productivity when I did. So waking up every day at the exact same time I would waken up to go to my old job, starting out in the morning with stretches because honest job, like loosening up my body, loosens up my mind. Um, and, you know, stretching while my oatmeal cooks and having my oatmeal and oh, getting relax. to work by like a specific... Boom, boom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, like, that's a good amount of time. It works out well. And then um, reading the news while during breakfast and then, you know, trying to get to work by a reasonable hour every day. And then at lunch, going for a walk. I live by a lake. So going down to the lake and seeing the water to, like, reset my mind for the next project. Um, that's really important to me. And then doing yoga and getting exercise on a regular basis, like, every day uh, keeps me sane. And then at the end of the night, like, reading before go to bed it just calms my mind right back down because basically um my mind is racing through client projects and like things i can do opportunities for the future uh way throw all the time and so putting those little bits and pieces throughout the day where i like come back has been incredibly valuable to me are you in a relationship yes okay how does that how does that go i i i <laughs> the lead-in the lead-in was just that like uh i've been dating someone now for probably a year and a half or so and uh i just found mm-hmm. like right away um i was like i saw some of my productivity just get destroyed you know because i because i wasn't disciplined within you know it's just it so please go on oh yeah so i have a boyfriend that i really have been with him for a year um and it was interesting because he also is works from home and has absolute control Both over his of schedule. You work from, do, so, wait, do you live? Do you live together? Um, we're moving together. We're in the process of it right now. But he goes back to his house and works from there okay. during the day right now. Okay. Um, but we will very soon be working, like sharing the same living space. Whoa. So, and, um, and you'll be working wow. in the same place. I think so. Um, we also have. We're both members of the co-working space. And other places around town. Oh, so cool. we're gonna see how it goes uh, in terms of like the shared working space. I think it's gonna be great. We're gonna we're gonna work work it out. What does he do? Um, may I ask? Yeah, so he is a real estate investor okay. and property management company owner. Cool. Um and also a sales consultant. Whoa, triple no. So yeah, he has a lot of they call that the triple threat things. in the bit, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, definitely. So what happened, this is kind of funny because I was really nervous. Like I wanted to tell him that we needed to have routines, but I didn't want to seem like really boring. Like, hey, I want to wake me up every day and I want to go to bed and read my book every day. Like that sounds so boring, right? Because nobody's making us do that. So I found, I was reading a blog post that I just came across naturally all about like the importance of ritual. And it was on like a cooking blog. Um, I can't remember the name of the blog, but it was some gluten-free cooking blog that I just stumbled upon. And, and I was like, man, this exactly sums up what I, what I believe, like that rituals create this sense of stability in an otherwise chaotic life. And so I sent it to him and I was like, read this, believe all these things. Um, you know, let's wake up at the same time every day and it will be amazing. And, uh, thankfully he really bought in and just this morning he told me how much he appreciates that. Like I bounce out of bed at like seven every morning and start the day and like get us going and you know and I was like oh that's cool because like I thought that might be a really boring and like mundane sort of thing but 
that's it's valuable. That's funny. That's awesome. No, that's that's good. It's good. You, that's a nice way of broaching the subject. Yeah, here's a cooking blog, and it sums up my life philosophy. So please read it. Uh, but I actually think that is that's great, and it's so apropos to talk about ritual and sticking to them when we're talking about discipline because. Rituals, um, I guess there's kind of two ways they can come about, right? One, they're habits that form because that's just the way you, you act naturally, and they're just kind of born organically. And the other kind of ritual are the ones that you see make you a better person or helping craft the life you want to live, and so you put them in place. And those are the type that take discipline to follow. Um, and I know we are big fans of ritual here on 10,000 Hours, and we both have our own. Uh, but I think we've talked about when to stick to it and when it's time to say goodbye to a ritual because it's run its course. But I do think there are certain like fundamental things about our lives that can be turned into rituals that kind of stick with us forever. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that was really cool about getting to start over kind of, you know, like take a from scratch approach. Cause then I could see what rituals I wanted to keep with and which weren't really serving me that well. Yeah, that's, that's an, man, I, I think about ritual discipline stuff. I was talking with David, David Cherry from death to stock. Um, while we're in New York, he, cause he, we just obsessed with that. And, um, yeah, it's, it is, it's just, you know, things work for different people. Right. And I think discipline, discipline really has to come from you. I, I that, that is kind of what I think I'm dancing around right now is that, people get in these weird states of like guilt and of th- there's this, you know, always on culture and this desire to like work, 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 do more, you know, achieve success. But it's like ultimately discipline is, is a product to me or it should be a, you know what, actually I was, what I was going to say was that discipline is a result of a goal or of something, you know, like I said before, but I guess discipline can also be an act uh, unto itself it can be a discipline is a discipline and it doesn't necessarily it's sort of like yoga it's sort of like i mean that's a very much a yoga mentality of like you're not it's not trying to achieve or to win the game it's just to go and practice and to be present and i, I, feel, I feel like if that mentality was uh embodied by more people i feel like they'd be less stressed out and less freaked out about trying to succeed quote unquote right well, well I think you being- can serve the goal Wait. Oh, yeah. It certainly can. I'm. I'm just saying it can also be. It can also be the goal. Right. One of the things that I see is um, a great parallel between training your mind to be disciplined and then being disciplined in action. Um, I've done some meditation courses, and the biggest focus in the courses I've taken, at least, is getting your mind to be quiet and to be present in the moment and. That doesn't necessarily sound like an act of discipline, but it is because you have to essentially like train your mind and really work with your mind to quiet down and to be still and to be focused. And then that goes through so much into the actions you take in the rest of the day, you know, deepening the kind of freneticism that can be there. I think there can be like a positive energy in entrepreneurial communities, but I think there can also be um, a little bit of freneticism, like go, 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 go. And knowing when to say like, I've gone enough, that's enough. I mean, totally right. The the quieting one's mind. Um, there's a really great analogy in. Uh, I was using the Headspace app for quite some time, and in one of their lessons, the thing was just like 
you should you should picture your mind and your stress and your thoughts um, as if you're sitting by the side of the road and there are all these cars going back and forth. And you're not trying to stop the cars or wave the cars down or really do anything. You're just trying to sit there and look at the cars. You just acknowledge them and just sort of look at them <laughs> and just be there. So it, it's like, it's not about fighting it or like, that. that's what it is. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about this like, brute force competitive nature when really it seems that it's like, I think the, the highest tiers of discipline come from almost like inaction, like the, the ability to not be frenetic. Yeah. I was reading it recently. Um, I'm not sure if you saw the Amazon hubbub. You must've seen the Amazon. Yeah, certainly. Yep. And then um, the co-founder of Facebook and Asana posted about um, the need to have balance in a uh, startup culture and culture in general. And he was quoting some statistics from Henry Ford. Um, there were studies that showed that the ultimate productivity efficiency comes when people work 40 to 50 hours per week, that you might have short-term immediate gains when you work like 60 or 80 hours a week, but you can't sustain that for the long run. And that your returns essentially diminished to the point that like it would have been better all along if you had always done 40 to 50 hours. And so I think that's another instance where discipline can be very hard because it's easy to be like, well, I can still keep working. So therefore I could keep working. Yeah. But to realize Restraint. that it might not serve you. Yeah, it might not serve you. It might not serve the client. It might not serve the work that you're doing or the writing that you're doing. Um, maybe you could go, but maybe I'll be better if you wait till tomorrow. I will say though, okay, but there, there is a flip side. So there's that, that's a fantastic idea and that's so, so obviously accurate. Um, but there is to this other side and, and I don't think it's for everyone, but I think the ability to go all in sometimes, you know, to do the 60, 70, whatever it's, it's not about hours. It's about just like, I think focus, but I think that ability is like truly valuable in not, not in every case, but in a lot of cases. But I think it's cool if you can turn it on and turn it off. Exactly. That's what I would say. Like exactly. there's weeks where I do work like that. Like when I, especially when I have conferences or a lot of networking stuff happening, that's just the way it goes. Yeah. But that's every week. Yeah. I think uh, not to be too pithy about it, but I'm reminded of a, a old quote that says discretion is the better part of valor, which is basically to say <laughs> that sometimes the harder, more rewarding thing to do is to not, do and it's just to understand when like it's actually selfish to kind of martyr yourself in your work and to go too hard and to go too much and it can be the hardest thing in the world to do to let something slide a little bit because you know it's better for your career and for your personal happiness and health in the long run right one of the things that i think a lot about is patience um and it's hard to know like at what point are you being patient enough with yourself? At what point are you maybe not pushing yourself hard enough? So I think that's another balance that I try to find is the patience versus pushing. And mm. sometimes I think I need more of one or the other. Um, because when I look back in retrospect, I'm always like, wow, you know, I like, I built a business from nothing and I'm really proud of that, but I still need to push it to the next level. That's, um, this is a story I told before, but it's that, uh, that Seth Godin story about like finding, it, it, that was a really, the point was about fear but it, it is this. He was talking about riding a recumbent bicycle and how at like 18 or 19 miles per hour, there um, there exists this wobble where the, the wheels start wobbling. And it's not quite 
um, unstable and it's not quite stable. It's just this wobble. It's the space between. And I think the ability to feel that, to feel your own wobble is really what you're talking about and is the, is the actual skill of discipline is to like know your limits is to know your threshold. Right. I think that's really the goal for me is to figure out what are my limits and how do I, how do I ride that threshold perfectly or, you know, as best I can. Yeah. To some extent, that's what we're all trying to do, Uh, whether we're doing it consciously or subconsciously or whether we're aware of it or not exactly aware of it. Um, but speaking of the wobble, I'm going to steer the recumbent bike that is 10,000 hours off the cliff into a different discussion. Uh, but it's at least kind of trajectorily, tangentially relevant because we're talking about ritual and we're talking about burning out maybe. Maybe we might be yeah. talking about it's an adage. It's a bit of a flickering, you know? I think of the wobble oh, a lot absolutely. like the flicker, you know? Yes, the How, wobble. Vince, the, que- the question I often ask uh, an entrepreneur or, or anyone, especially a creative, is how how long is your wick? And are you trimming it? Well, well said, Grant. Well segued. Uh, because this week in our off-topic topic, which is our opportunity to kind of relax and meditate, maybe not so serenely, uh, something that's not related to what we're talking about this week. We're talking about candles. Rachel, what do you think about candles? I like candles a lot. Um, I find them very relaxing. They are kind of enthralling to watch. It's like having a little, you know, fire in your house. Literally it is. And that seems cool. Uh, smell good. They make your house smell good. And I think when you put them at a dinner table, they turn dinner into something really special and suddenly it feels much more luxurious. And I like that. Ooh, baby. That's we so found funny. a can fan, Grant. A can fan. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I, ugh, man, can't, I, I've kind of been in between places right now because I'm in between studios. Um, and uh, it's like hard. I actually don't know what the protocol is. So right now I, I'm staying with, with this guy, Joe. Um, and I don't know, like, do, can I just have a candle here? Can I just bring it in? I don't know. We never like talked about What's the about candle this. policy? Yeah. What's your candle policy? And it, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. Actually, I don't want to talk about it. I feel like I, if I'm going to do it, I'm just going to do it and just see what happens. Forgiveness, not permission. Am I right, Vince? <laughs> You're dead right, Grant. Uh, are you guys fans of scented candles then or neutral candles? I try to stick to one scent because I have this horror of all these candles with different smells turning my small apartment into the like disgusting potpourri. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> in my house, they either have to be like a basic all natural vanilla scent or uh, nothing at all. Nice. I respect that. that. In my old studio, it was pretty vast. So it was like, I could have like three candles in different places and they wouldn't overlap. Um, but uh, now I feel like I would keep I would keep it to one. Scented is the game, certainly. That's got to be that's a big plus for me. That's a big, big, huge plus of the candle. And in fact, Vince, I do I do have a favorite candle. It's uh, Capri Blue Number Six uh, Volcano. And maybe we'll show notes. Wow. Like, maybe we'll show notes. I maybe will. Yeah, certainly we will. Vince, it's this is my favorite candle, and 
I can identify it so easily. There have been so there have been several times where I'll walk into a room and I'll go, ah, volcano, Capri Blue, number six, of course. And they're like, What? Yes. Does that absolutely mesmerize whoever? <laughs> well, they're just like you? I I just feel like they don't even like I, it's I, I've never walked into um into a, a man's home and smelled that. It's always like my trendy cool like girl friends of some sort who like get it. <laughs> and I'm like so they I feel like if you're buying that candle you probably know the name. And oh yeah, they're like, "Oh, yeah, wow, Grant. <laughs> it's a it's a huge points gain." <laughs> If you can't identify it, it's not the candle for you. Exactly. It's the discerning candle buyer's candle. Vinny, what about um, you, man? What's your, what's your candle situation like? Well, I will echo the thoughts that scented candles are great, and I love them a lot. I'm actually a huge fan of, uh, I want to get the name right, Mrs. Myers Cleaning Products, and uh, they're you know kind of a more um, ecologically conscious. Yeah, they're they're definitely Minnesotan. Uh, yeah, I, I buy their candles. Oh, of course, yes, please. There's a star anise candle from Isola that is absolutely amazing smelling. I don't actually own it, but there's a store on the square downtown in Madison that stocks it. And every time I go there, I have to smell it. You you go to the window and you look in longingly hoping one day when it's just not in the bootstrap budget just you're just that's why you're doing all of this to get that <laughs> no and the store clerk gives you like a a wry knowing smile and she's like this week rachel and then you like look back and you're like maybe next week sheila you you look in your no, pockets I- which is such a silly way to you look in your pockets as if the money will be there but it isn't well, I have, it's like a $40 candle, so I think that's yeah, a lot of money to spend on a candle. It really is. And that so, Capri Blue is pretty expensive, too, but yeah, not that, not yeah. that expensive. Oh, it, it, like it, a yearly candle budget. Right. So, I mean, I thought about, like, you know, adding it for Christmas. I think for Christmas, I might just get a candle, Don't. and that's it. Oh, yeah, sweet. Burned yeah. it, right? <laughs> Respect. Uh so the my one thing that I will push back on about scent candles is I don't like them at the dinner table if we're going to ah, be eating. Ah, yes, Vince. Well oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, for dinner, you just want the Vince. paper candle sort of thing. <laughs> Vince, what about, okay, yes. let me, okay, let me, the, the other dinner table, if I will. Oh, God, this is horrible. Uh, scented, scented candles or neutral candles in the bedroom or no candles? <laughs> Ooh, oh, wow. What a and question. And I mean the bedroom. Uh, I mean the bedroom. <laughs> So, my entire apartment is a bedroom, so I don't really have the luxury wow. of choosing. Oh wait, does that uh, mean it's a studio, or does that mean you could you could? It means uh, it has one. Be room. hooking it, up it anywhere. Wasn't okay. some sort of like debonair. <laughs> no, I live in a one room apartment, so for me, the answer is scented. Okay, nice. Same, same. Respect, respect. Thanks, bro. Um. I will say I do have one more candle thought. I have a lot more candle thoughts than I thought I would. Um, but I use two tea candles to replicate the sensor bar for my Nintendo Wii. <laughs> what? What? I, yeah, yeah. Believe it or not. So I have a Nintendo <laughs> Wii. Now I just use it for Netflix, but I used to play it. Um, anyway, at a party like three or four years ago, I lost the sensor bar. Uh, the little thing that you're, you can use the remote with. Um, and so it won't, you can't like get to anything without that. But I read on the interweb 
that you can use two candles or bright lights in close proximity to simulate one. And I actually still this day get a little bit of a mind blow when I do it. But pretty much on a daily basis, I light the two tea candles by my TV and I wave the Wiimote in front of it and it works. This is ludicrous. (laughs) Believe it. Believe it, my friend. Or not. No, I, I do. I was just second. Yeah. <laughs> That's just awesome. the thing. It's resourceful of you. Hey, thanks, man. Uh, and thanks, both of you guys, for a stimulating and, dare I say, illuminating discussion uh, about candles. And I thought now, it was so enlightening. Really glad it happened. <laughs> yeah, you really, we really lit up the room with that one. <laughs> okay, the, the quality is deteriorating pretty quickly. It, our podcast smells better now because of <laughs> the <laughs> um, oh good. god but pretty good to to snuff to extinguish, out this extinguish the flame yes. yes and to light another one anew I would like to jump into some last thoughts from both of you and ask two customary questions here in 10,000 hours they're posed to you, Rachel, and they're about discipline, kind of. But more importantly, they go like this, and you can just answer them in order. If you would want our listeners, wait, I did that wrong. The first one actually is, how can our listeners support you? And the second one is, if you would like them to take one thing away from your time in the episode, what would you want it to be? So, I would love if go on to support me by remembering me when they need writing projects. Um, they can check out my book, which is called How to Eat Well on a Bootstrap Budget. Sweet. Um, wow. That would be really fantastic. So for people who do want to have some fun in the kitchen and also work on a sort of time budget, most of what it is, um, if you don't have a lot of time but you want to eat well, it's the book for you. Um, and then... What do I hope people take away from this episode? I really hope people put some conscious thought into what routines and actions make them who they are and become the best version of themselves. And then set aside time and prioritize making that a part of their every day. Because there is a discipline we talked about where, you know, you do your work and you get it done. But there's also discipline for the smaller things like eating well and remembering to eat and remembering to exercise. And, um, you know, I mean, we are joking about, you know, not wearing pants and all that, but, you know, getting dressed every day, which helps you create the <laughs> attitude sure. and atmosphere that you're going to be successful because you are successful. And so that's really what I want to encourage. And if I get people take on, away from this, that's like a pretty, that's a pretty out of the park day. That's really good. That's a successful day. I like to, I like to like, I like to do that sparingly so that I can really, I can really knock it out when I do put them on. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, then now, now the bar is sort of low for pants wearing, and then when I do put them on, I am on fire. It's crazy, dude. It's a big uh, impact, in- right? I mean, it makes you feel like you're really killing it. It does. It does. I've really, cons- I've honestly kind of switched over to basically just wearing black joggers and like a form of a black t-shirt every day because it's like i don't have to think about it as much and it's really comfortable and versatile 
But um, so yeah, that in and of itself though is kind of an illustration. It, like it is, man. You make a really good point, Rachel, in that you need to do the things, whatever they may be, to make yourself happy and healthy. Because without it, you won't be productive and you won't be efficient. And for you, that's getting up and getting actually dressed and looking good and feeling good and being ready to be productive. And for Grant, it's staying comfortable, eliminating the need for choice, eliminating the need for inefficiencies, and that makes him productive. And so, but I still think it looks good. I still look good, though. Oh yeah, it's definitely an aesthetic and style, and you look good. I'm not trying to say you're a slob. I'm just saying you've taken like an element of you know discretion out of it. Uh, Anyway, it is that was well said. I'm sorry, I derail you midway. Classic, Grant. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's totally good. It's totally good. But dude, uh, the point I do mean is, yeah, like look inward and find what actually makes you happy and productive and do that hey can i can i leave you with something too that i've honestly just realized like very recently after i've been shooting so many more photos and like now shooting this video last weekend but more mostly just like photos i realize especially in photography but but even if we if we use this as sort of our actual life too I used to be a little bit more, and I, I still have a, an element of this that, like, it, it's why I don't really use Snapchat because using Snapchat to me is like me taking away from my life in order to like feel something, whatever, like some sort of external gratification, whatever, whatever, whatever. But I'm I'm taking away from my actual immediate experience. But like, I've realized with especially with photography stuff, I I'll, when I see a good shot and it's a shot I want to take and I don't take it, those I remember so often when I'm looking back through my, my shots of the day. But like, uh, I, I think that has inspired me to get up and go and like take the shot and get the photo I want and be vigilant about it without taking away from my actual experience and actually enhancing my experience because I've got more discipline in it. And it's just like at the end of the day, I can look back through my photos like you can kind of look at your life and just be pumped that you went and took the shot, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I man. Think that's really important. And I think we can. Ship well said. It. Can we ship it? I yeah, I think that's shipworthy. I think it it's really you know gets to the crux of discipline isn't only like a cut and dry term that means you know do your work when you have to do your work, but it's like adhere to the things that are going to make you happy. Absolutely. Ship it. Ship it. Okay.